You've entered the Rock is Lit Vault. Welcome to the Rock is Lit Vault, where you can find outtakes from the regular episodes and extended episodes, as well as special features, behind-the-scenes peaks, and breaking news. Join me, Christy Alexander Hallberg, for each enthralling episode, then migrate to the vault for Rock is Lit Deep Cuts. In this outtake from Episode 7, the episode that celebrates the first birthday of my novel, Searching for Jimmy Page, Danny Goldberg, who served as Led Zeppelin's PR man, then vice president of Swan Song Records at the height of the band's fame in the 1970s, shares his thoughts about some of the gazillion nonfiction books on Led Zeppelin, including the notorious Hammer of the Gods. He also shares a few anecdotes about a young Cameron Crowe and his association with Led Zeppelin. In the second half of this bonus segment, I respond to readers' questions about searching for Jimmy Page that folks messaged to me in the days before the episode went live. Well, of course, after the band broke up in a few years, books started to come out about them. And I don't know if it was the first one, but it was the first one I read. And, it, and you know what I'm going to say. It's the Hammer of the Gods book by Stephen Davis. Hammer of the Gods, yes, my friend Stephen Davis. Okay, yes. what, did you, what did you think of that? Well, um, you know, I, I, um, uh, Stephen Davis to this day is a friend of mine. Okay. And I had introduced him to the band. He interviewed them uh, for an article that was supposed to be for the Atlantic magazine that never came out. Um, I'm pretty sure that photo of Robert uh, overlooking uh, Sunset Boulevard, the I am a golden God yes. photo was taken while Stephen Davis was ostensibly uh, interviewing them. I mean, he did interview them because uh, Peter Simon, who was his very close friend and also a friend of mine, he passed away a year or so ago, took that photo. I am a golden God! Um, so Stephen interviewed them. And then after I left, he said, Hey, look, I want to do a book about Led Zeppelin. And, you know, I interviewed him. I introduced him to Richard Cole, who was a big mm-hmm. source on the book. And, uh, I, uh, I, um, I, I gave him whatever memories I had, you know, I thought it was, um, I'm happy for Stephen. It did very well. It and sure it did. Really created a career for a friend of mine who I still consider a friend. You know, I thought that a lot of it was, um, repeating uh, rumors, you know, mm-hmm. and a little bit uh, tabloidy, you know. Uh, it was uh, it was commercially astute because of the success of the book. And uh, and I'm quoted in it in a way that makes me look good. So I have a real gratitude <laughs> for that book. I get, I, again, that's that's been something that, that has over the years been a plus for me. Uh, I'd say, you know, it's, it's good. Okay. I, I get why Zeppelin don't like it. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, but, but it was, it was sort of a kind of a classic journalist's view of Zeppelin's career at that, at that moment by, by right. a pretty, by, 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 by a guy who knows how to write. Among journalists who wrote about them, I, the band particularly felt comfortable with the stuff that Cameron Crowe wrote about them. Yeah. Um, you know, so he didn't do a book, but he did a cover story for Rolling Stone mm-hmm. that, that I know felt good to them and it felt real to me but uh it's in the eye of the beholder you know journalism is subjective 
I think rock journalism is very subjective and rock books are just an expanded version of rock journalism. So, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a few good ones. I'm just, uh, I think of the journalists, the journalist that they felt good about was, you know, Richie York was a Canadian journalist who covered them from the beginning. They felt he did a good job. Cameron, um, I think they had a decent relationship with Chris Charlesworth, who was a British journalist that covered yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, and those are the ones that come to mind. In terms of the books, um, you know, I don't, to be honest with you, when there's a new Zeppelin book, I look in the index. I look for Danny Goldberg. I see. <laughs> I see if I'm referred to, and if so, how? How? And uh, you know, I've been very, very fortunate in that regard. But of course, I want to know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I'm not a. You know, I, I would work for them. I, I. I don't. You know, I. I wrote a chapter in 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 my book, Bumping Into Geniuses, about them. I didn't have a book length story to tell, but I have yeah. a chapter length story. And um, I'm not the main person that would read a Zeppelin book. I kind of had my Zeppelin experience. I've mm -hmm. said about them what I would have to say. And you would be a better person to pick what was the best book because you're more the target audience for books. I'm a little jaded and, you know, always on right. to the next. I, I right. like to talk about the past. I'm grateful for it, but I don't like to get stuck in it. Yeah. Well, when, when Cameron Crowe went on tour with them, since you mentioned Cameron Crowe, was that during your time with them? Were oh, yes, you... absolutely. Yeah. When, when, during 73, uh, uh, I was pitching different journalists. And I had a counterpart at Salters and Roskin, the PR firm named Marcia Hightower, no longer with us. But, but, and she, she would deal with the LA Times. And she called me and said, look, but I knew the band. She hadn't met the band yet. She said, look, Robert Hilburn, who is the music editor of the L.A. Times and a very well-respected figure in the rock journalism world, deservedly so, one of the great, great rock journalists ever, uh, had this idea to assign this high school kid because he has the theory that younger people understand Zeppelin and older people, meaning people in their late 20s, which was yeah. most of the rock writers don't. And I was very excited by that because that was my whole point was, hey, the young people get this. And you may think you're young if you're 28 or 29, but compared to a 14-year-old, you're not. Mm -hmm. And it's a 14-year-old. So Cameron, I think, was either 15 or at the most 16. Lord. And I, so I said, yeah, fine. I'll explain it to the band. I, I love that idea. And that's when I met Cameron. I came out to the L.A. shows. And they liked what he wrote for the L.A. Times enough that on the next record, on the 75 cycle, when um, Physical Graffiti came out, um, you know, we had a situation where Rolling Stone had always disrespected the band. And they, like I told you, on Houses of the Holy had done the limp, limp thing. So then when when the album was so successful, again, a number one album, and we got all the publicity from the Tampa Stadium show, they called me, and I forget who it was, and said, gee, you know, we want to put them on the cover. And I asked Jimmy about it, and Jimmy said, no fucking way. You know, they've insulted <laughs> us year after year. No. Yeah, we're not going to get so they didn't do it. So then 75 comes along and I said, great, I'll say you wouldn't even talk to Rolling Stone. That's how big you are. I, I can use that. I'll use, you, you know, Fabulous. I wasn't. First of all, you know, I'm not going to argue with Jimmy Page. Secondly, <laughs> I, I did. I did think it was kind of a cool twist. Then 75, Jan Wenner himself called me and said, look, we understand the way they feel about the magazine. You can approve who the writer is. 
and we'll run it as a Q&A with questions and answers so there can't be any snarky criticism of mm-hmm. them embedded in it. Um, so just, if they'll do it, just, t- so I told you, I said, look, Jimmy, it was cool to say you were the band that wouldn't talk to Rolling Stone, but that was the 73 story. How about now doing it? You can control it. Is there a writer you like? He says, yeah, I think that Cameron Crowbar. Nice. Crowbar. For him. <laughs> you know, says, let's get that Cameron Crowbar. So I called and I said, they'll do it if Cameron can do it. And then Cameron did the cover story. And I remember being with him in Chicago is I think where he did at least one of the interviews and the band had some days off because, uh, one of them was sick. We had to postpone one of the, we, I mean, they had to postpone one of the shows. Um, so I remember Jimmy, Robert, me and Cameron went to see young Frankenstein in a movie theater. Really? One of my treasured memories of my life. I bet. You know, it was just so normal to do with, to go to the movies with Jimmy and Robert <laughs> and the, the end young Cameron. But uh, yeah, he was incredibly uh, likable. Uh, made made everybody feel comfortable, made musicians feel comfortable. A little different from the character that he created for Almost Famous because that character uh, was committed to writing the truth about a band, even if it offended the band. Uh, that was not the case with Cameron when it came to Zeppelin. He, he was giving them, he was portraying them in a way that they liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, but Almost Famous is a hell of a good movie. And it sure Cameron is. Cameron gave me an incredible blurb for the Kurt Cobain book. He's And he's just one of oh, my right. favorite filmmakers and people. But it, at that time, he was definitely writing a very complimentary story about Led Zeppelin. And uh, they appreciated it. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So a few days before episode seven was set to release, I posted on my various social media outlets that if anybody who'd read Searching for Jimmy Page 
or anyone who was just interested in my novel had any questions they'd like me to answer, they could message me and I'd choose a few to include in the episode or here in the vault, which is where I decided to put this segment. I was really thrilled with the questions I got, but I chose ones to respond to here that I didn't address in the full episode. So if you haven't already checked out episode 7, I hope you will. Thanks to all of you who took the time to reach out to me. Here are my answers to your questions. One person asked about the use of the Led Zeppelin song Four Sticks in the novel because it's, it's not one of their best-known songs. And she basically wanted to know why I chose it. Well, for one thing, it's always been one of my favorites. I, I was always interested in the imagery in that song. The owls crying in the night. Pine trees, rivers running red, running dry. And, you know, the pine trees kind of reminded me of, of home. I'm from eastern North Carolina, and we have a lot of pines there. So that, you know, just the imagery intrigued me, and it kind of fit the story that I was, was crafting, and I really like the significance of owl imagery. That's intriguing to me. I mean, an owl is sort of symbolic of the feminine, and ancient Christians, some ancient Christians associated the owl with Lilith, Adam's first wife, and she was considered to be this kind of willful, labricious woman, and I just found that interesting. Some Native Americans associate the owl with protection and prophecy, and some associate it with death. And then there's just all of these kind of old wives' tales about an owl in the house means death's coming. And the great-grandfather of the main character, Luna, actually says that. So that's, in, in a nutshell, that's why I chose that song. Next question. What's your favorite Led Zeppelin album? That's, that's easy. It's, it's the fourth. And, and I know that's kind of their meat and potatoes album. If you're just getting into Led Zeppelin, that's the one you kind of go to, but it's it just the one that, that means the most to me, maybe because Four Sticks is on that album, but every track is just brilliant, so that has always been my favorite. I love all of them, though, but that's my favorite. Then somebody asked, there are a lot of Led Zeppelin-related sites that the main character, Luna, visits in the novel. How many of them did you actually visit? All of them. So I've made four kind of pilgrimages to the UK Starting in 2005, and then I did one in 2006, one in 2015, and the last one was 2018. And so I've visited Tower House. I haven't gone inside. Love to, but I haven't done that. But I've, I've seen Tower House, Jimmy's house in, in Kensington in London. I've been to Old Mill House in Windsor, which is where uh, drummer John Bonham unfortunately passed away. I've been to Boleskine House in Scotland, which used to belong to Alistair Crowley, and Jimmy bought it and owned it for some time. He doesn't need more. So there were those sites, and there are some that didn't make it into the novel. Like I've, I've been to Bronyar in Wales and, and seen that, which is just an amazing place. But back to the sites in the novel, I've been to Headley Grange, where Led Zeppelin recorded a, a good chunk of the fourth album, and supposedly Robert wrote the lyrics to Stairway to Heaven sitting in front of the fireplace. Now, I did get to go inside there. I tracked down the owner online and, and wrote him a letter and explained my situation and he invited me to come. So when I got to England, I, I got to Headley Grange and he gave me a tour of the house and I got to see that incredible stairway to heaven that's in the house. So there's that. Let me think, are there any other places? Nothing else is coming to mind right now. Oh, um, well, this isn't a Led Zeppelin related site, but I, I did Actually, because this kind of leads into the next question, have you ever met Jimmy Page? I did chase him down the hall at the Hammersmith Palais in London 
in 2005. And I actually talk about this in the full episode seven. So if you want to hear more about that, check that out. And then the last question, where can readers find the novel? Pretty much anywhere you buy books. Uh, I like to, to steer people towards their local independent bookstores just to throw some business their way. You can go to my website. There are a lot of, of different options for where to buy there. It's www.christyalexanderhallberg.com. Or you can go to Amazon. So it's just pretty much wherever you buy books. The audio book of Searching for Jimmy Page is coming out very, very soon. So stay tuned for, for updates on that. But those are my responses to the questions that I didn't cover in the regular episode. And again, thank you so much for reaching out to me. And I hope you'll go back and listen to the full episode seven. Thanks for hanging out in the Rock is Lit vault. Check out more Rock is Lit episodes and be on the lookout for more bonus material here in the vault. Until next time, keep rocking and reading and getting lit. Rock is Lit! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.